What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, the host of these conversations, I am Matt Browse, also the guy behind the camera at Pohada Photography. If you haven't shared the show with a friend yet, please do so. And whatever platform you listen on, Spotify, Apple, what have you, please go ahead and give the show a rating, preferably a five-star. That sort of helps us get out there and get heard by more people. Today I'm talking with Mel and Mar Blummer of the Minnesota School of Martial Arts out in Chisago City, Minnesota. While I was out there, they were also kind enough to put together a Show Me Something style video for the YouTube page for the Pohada Podcast. Do please also check that out. Like, subscribe, bell notification, all that stuff. Anyhow, without further ado, my conversation with Mel and Mar. Hey, who are you guys? All right, I'm Professor Melvin Blummer, uh, one of the coaches at Minnesota School of Martial Arts up in Chisago City, Minnesota. And I am uh, his twin brother, Marvin Blummer. I am uh, one of the professors up here at Minnesota School of Martial Arts in Chisago City, Minnesota. Sounds like we go by Mel. Yeah. And? Mar. Mar. Yep. Mar, Marvin, never Marv. Why not Marv? Just no Marv. I don't know. You know, I worked to work with a guy back in the day. You know, one, when you become Marv, I got to gotta be like a, a, over 60. I mean, I, I haven't, you know. You got to be a wet bandit. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, I don't know. I, let's get the real, let's get to the depth in this. All right. The reason being why it is like being called Marv, because the dude in Home Alone every time gets yeah. into getting his ass kicked all the time yeah. is Marv. Everywhere, every movie there ever was, Marvin gets shot in the face. Pulp Fiction. He's either the guy getting shot in the face. He's getting hit, in the beat face. up by somebody. Is robbed. So, Marv, it's a, my, my wife's Marvin. name is Wendy, and every Wendy in every movie or TV show is like a total slut and a drug <laughs> addict. So it like kind of makes sense if you know ah! if you know the backstory of you know this person and that person. But okay. um, see, this is how you start a podcast. Yeah. With the yep. serious, the serious business. Get that stuff. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta really get into the in-depth topics. You know. Yeah. Tell you me know. about this place first of all, since we're business owners. Let's talk about this place we're in. All right, so we're now in uh, Minnesota School of Martial Arts. Uh, we are started in '08, but officially made it an official deal back in 2010. Um, this is now our third location here in Chisago City. We started in Taylor's Falls, Minnesota. Um, eventually moved into Schaefer, which was a little bit more off the beaten path. And then now this is our fifth year at this location. The Fourth easiest year. way I think to explain it is that we're in the sticks now, but we were like so far in the sticks before we probably seen Sasquatch, Sasquatch a couple times, <laughs> you know, Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. That guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. how far we're out there. So if you wouldn't have found us if you actually yeah. came in cause your car broke down. You'd be like, right. where are we? We look like more like Ed Gein type place. Yeah. And now we're finally like almost in civilization, but still in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the way to do it. <laughs> it this is, is really, really. This is about as close to the cities as I want to be despite the fact of I live in Plymouth. Oh, oh, you live right but down. Realistically, you turn yeah. on the right road in Plymouth, and you're kind of in the country there. Yeah, you're close. Yeah, real, yeah. like a couple of right. patches of grass in there, and a couple of patches. Mm-hmm. patches the f- of the fourth and fifth there. tier suburbs ain't so bad yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Five yeah. years from now. No. So why the two years of not being official? So we the what we really started was in a a, a guy that we knew was parents' garage in 2008. Pole barn. Let's get this which, right. It was a pole barn. Okay, no pole barn. Mm-hmm. But realistically. There was where you pulled your cars and his dad was working on his car. And then if you rolled off the mats, yeah. that's what stopped you was uh-huh. the bumper with our car he was working on. Sure, so sure. he gave us enough space 
maybe two groups could grapple, but usually, you know, usually you're grappling on top of each other mm-hmm. pretty much. But we, hey, we were, we were super happy to have it, even though Minnesota winters were tough them first couple of years. Sure. And then uh, we, a couple of us really took it serious. Me and Melvin had already took a couple of MMA fights by them just out of the garage, and they had already started kickboxing, grappling tournaments. And then some of us were like, well, hey, let's take some more dollars and cents and get like a real place where we can maybe have heat one day and all that fun <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> and maybe some mats. Yeah. Yep. Like yep. Uh, we were like on the original puzzle match we bought from Menards. Sure. Not exactly the same application. It's probably no. the ones they make now. So it was uh, interesting, but uh, <laughs> we survived. It's the slightest buffer between you and the concrete. Correct. Yes, that's yes. about it. And if then again, you weren't getting like a jack in the back or, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, too, those first couple of years without uh, actually making a formal deal is because originally we were just kind of a, a bunch of friends that were getting together that wanted to prepare to get into some MMA. Um, a bunch really of us thought, martial yeah. arts forever. You know, all yeah. this really like martial arts all long time athletes in one shape or form. And, uh, and especially at that time, I mean, all you really had was those inner city gyms, the academies, the you know, yeah. cellar, I think, was just getting off the ground. And that was back uh, when they were in it Minneapolis. It was really the Academy, McEwen's of Martial Arts, yep. and Collie uh, Group. I mean, that's the, sure. one, the three I can think of actually yeah. existing kind of when we started. Yeah, and so sure there was more, but just that's the ones that mm-hmm. were actively competing in some of the scenes as far as grappling or, uh, you know, any of so that stuff. Obviously, so. most of them stemmed from them. Couple, most of the other ones now all stem from, from right. them. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, and then so, part of the reason we kind of started up here is because, uh, you know, I mean, sure, we would have loved to go train at the academy and that, but by the time we decided, me and him both had kids really young. So Melvin had his first kid just after seventeen, and I had my first kid just after twenty, and so we basically full time working since we, you know, we did concrete work basically since we were seventeen years old, working full time, and then. Uh, I always just love doing athletic stuff, but yeah. so when we decided we're gonna like get into martial arts, we we're like, well, how are we gonna well, do this? We work in the cities, drive an hour home. Where are we gonna fit a time to go back to the cities? And then, you know, it's you know some of the schools down there are a little expensive for uh, people at 20 years old trying to <laughs> yes. raise kids and yeah. you know all that stuff. So yeah. well, actually, we might as well start back from the ground zero then if we're gonna talk that far back. So oh, realistically, all right. So back. When UFC one and two and those were all coming out, um, I think we rented the first UFC. I think it was uh, UFC three was the first one that we rented, right? Mm-hmm. Live, yep. yep. Actually, watching live. We always had an interest in martial arts. We did a little bit of uh, kickboxing back when we were like 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Um, beat each other up watching Bruce Lee. I mean, who didn't have a yellow suit and kick your brother in the face? Right. I 100% did. Yeah. So um, you lay out, lay out the couch cushions. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so pile it, drive. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. 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 No, we, we just wanted usually the, the end table would usually be the sacrificial <laughs> lamb at the end yeah, of the night, and we'd be deciding who, how we're going to explain that our older brother made us break the table, yeah. so we wouldn't get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we rented that first one, um, and after we got done watching it, me and him, obviously being identical twin brothers, best of friends, worst of enemies, obviously you have the same friends, you have all that stuff, so this is probably no surprise to most people, but me and him literally like fist fought every single day. Um, we had an older, uh, br- older brother that was six years older than us that really helped antagonize the, the fist fighting every day, so um, yeah. after we got Melvin's done... tougher. What? Melvin told me, they just walk by me and say, beat you up. What? Walk out there. You're going to kick my ass. What? you kick my ass? Yep. Yep. Or uh, that one's, which one's better yeah, looking you know, and that type of stuff. So. John just standing there going, and go. And he just watches and a little fight ensues. And, I'm guessing you know. he's the worst fighter of the bunch, though. 
Absolutely. Well, when yeah. he was bigger than us, he he was a really good fighter. And then we started getting bigger, and then all of a sudden he didn't want to fight anymore. He just mm-hmm. wanted us to fight. He was yeah, just to change it up. Yeah. But uh, so that's, the got, young, that's the younger brother thing. Never fuck with the younger brother. Right. Because he's the one that got his ass kicked and had to scrap. So if there's two of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole different deal. Yeah. yeah, but especially once we started using our forces together, not being scared, he definitely didn't want none of that. <laughs> yeah. But uh. So having that like that background of obviously me and him kind of physically competing against each other every single day, we get done watching that first UFC. And me and him both when we get done watch, kind of like look over at each other and it's like, I think we, I think we'd be really good at this, right? Obviously, because we both love like the aspect of the fight, like the feel, the adrenaline rush, like trying to stay calm under in bad positions, that type of stuff. So we're like, I think we'd be good at this. Well, shortly after now, it goes back to all right. I find out I'm gonna be a dad. We graduate high school. I have a kid. You know, the typical life kind of gets in the way of all this. And then uh, when we're 25, uh, we're both union cement finishers, pouring concrete, and we're working with uh, one of our buddies. And we're talking about the UFC because this is now where UFC's not, the Ultimate Fighter is just coming out. These are now this starting to come more relevant again. So we're on the site one day, and then me and Mar are sitting there chatting about MMA and all this stuff. And this other guy's a really big MMA fanatic. So he's sitting there. We're talking about it, and I said again, I think we'd be really good at this. Mars like, hell yeah, we would be. And the guy kind of calling my bluff actually knew a promoter in this area and was like, I get you a fight. Kind of calling my bluff, and I look at him and said, let's do it. He said, all right, here's the dude's number. Give the guy a call. He's like, hey, you want to come down this weekend and compete in a kickboxing match before I just throw you in MMA? I kind of want to make sure you're not going to get your ass kicked pretty much type of deal. And then I like how the liability yeah. test was a kickboxing fight. Yeah. Let's well, make yeah. sure he's got what it takes. Well, if you want to see how far it went back, you know, I mean, if we're talking, like I said, early 2008 at this point, so we're talking, it's pretty, pretty new, you know. Uh, so it's early 2008 in Minnesota here, MMA, kickboxing. So uh, well, how it works, we each get matchups, right? So, but back in the day, you didn't get like, I know who you were fighting before you went. Yeah. You just show up to the venue, right. and then they're like, ah. Uh, and then I, the, the way weigh-ins used to go back in the day was, uh, he looks pretty close to your size. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yep, yeah. So why don't you go with that guy? And so we got there. Uh, unfortunately, like right before we we're supposed to go down and kickbox, you know, back then again, we're new to all this. So what we used to get ready for a fight when we first started was spar hard. Yep. So unfortunately, the week of the fight broke three ribs uh, between this guy and one of our other teammates at the time that were uh, is a great boxer. Ended up uh, fighting out of here as well as went to and all as a pro and then retired. But. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they ended up breaking in between the combination of them broke my ribs right before, so I was actually out. So went, Melvin went down to get this kickboxing match. We get there, and they're like, ah, you know, we're going to go with that guy. And then, like, of course, everybody that was there is 200 pounds, well, right? You know, it, we're all little. Back so. it up. So I get down there. I was supposed to have a scheduled guy to fight. Get down there, and the promoter's like, the guy you're supposed to fight at your weight class isn't going to show up. And then... At the time, EMR are already 25 years old. We've been working in concrete and kind of dealing with people for quite a while and knowing, like, what's going on. But anyway, Beat each other up enough to know that we're not scared to get punched in the face. Yeah, so, yep. So I'm sitting yeah, there, I'm and, just, we, and a couple other cats that were training, that were a couple other cats that were training with us were freshly out of high school. They're, like, 19, 20 years old. They're still pretty green. Um, we go down to the kickboxing match. promoter's like, oh, that guy's not going to show up. I got another guy. And I was like, all right, well, what do you weigh in at? Well, he weighed in at 187. I was like, kind of pause for a second. And I look over at the, the two younger kids, and they're like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I turn over, and I look at Marvin. And Marvin looks at me in the face. I didn't say anything. I just looked at him. He goes, came here to fight, didn't you? Look down. I go, yep. 
turn back. All right, let's do this. Right. So what was your weight? I was 155. Yeah. Well, yep. the best part is, of course, the guy, uh, you know, obviously much bigger, you know, 30, 30, 40 pounds bigger than Melvin. Into a Melvin, I agree. Cause Melvin, like I say, looks at me and I'm like, came here to fight. Right. And I'm like, you believe you can beat any man unless he proves you different. Right. And he's like, yep. And he's like, I'm like, what the hell are we talking about? Let's fight, you know? So Melvin's like, all right, let's do this. I just love it because, of course, I'm looking at his opponent right away. Guy's like, yeah, got to fight. Oh, man, that's going to be great. Yeah, well, do a little, like, square off pick, and he's, like, looking down at me. He's, like, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, yeah. Looking down at me, he's like, you can just see in his face, he's like, I'm going to smash this poor little dude. Until uh, the fight started, uh, they started exchanging. You could see after the first exchange, dude might have been a little bigger, but the punches were landing on his face a little bit differently than they landing on Melvin's face. And uh, I think it's actually still online. And you'll see how far back it is because I think it was actually still posted. I think it's Mel just knocked you the fuck out. Melvin's first kickboxing match ever is still on, like, YouTube when it wasn't even not YouTube. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, like, it's three pixels screen, I think, is what that cell phones had at that <laughs> yeah. time. Right. But, yeah, but literally, like I said, one of the fastest knocks I've ever seen. They were ex went to go exchange in the second round. Uh, you know, after uh, the first round, didn't go exactly the guy the way the way the guy yeah. thought it was going to put him end. into shock a little bit. Yeah, and then while well, they went to both, both throw, they're both southpaw. They went to both throw a left hand at the same time. You see him start to throw his left, and also boom, and then he's gone. And Melvin, by the time he started throwing his punch, Melvin threw his left hand, boom, out of screen. You're like, what happened? Boom, out cold. And then yeah, another video. He's like this. Thing. His eyes are wide open, but he's just out cold. So that's kind of the start. We're like, oh, yeah. So right. actually, yeah. So what happened is I ended up uh, knocking the guy out. I walked over to Marvin and my Denny, who's the other owner of the shop with us uh, here at Minnesota School of Martial Arts. Um, walk over to the guys. I go, I think we got to take this seriously. I think we're going to be pretty good at this. Yeah, From so then on, we decided we're moving out of the garage and we're going to we're going to make this happen. So. Yeah, let my I think I let my uh, let my ribs heal and uh, I think I took my first MMA fight six weeks later, eight weeks later, something mm -hmm. like that. So yeah. I think that was in like July. So I guess it was a couple months later. And then September, I made my first uh, amateur debut in MMA. So. Yeah, it's kind of kind of how the the role all started, but it's always something that we always were we're all passionate in, you know, and uh, you know, kind of started with the punch and kick. We were both hockey players for the most part, so we always, you know, it was funny if you watch our first couple of MMA fights, you'll be like, now that you know we're hockey players, watch yeah. our first couple of MMA yeah. fights. You're They're like reaching for jerseys. Hey, yeah, where's yeah. that jersey grab? <laughs> Just right hand, right hand, right yeah. hand, yeah. right hand. You know, so. it's called fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. maybe not the prettiest fighting. Yeah, but it's yeah, called yeah, fighting. yeah, yeah. Especially well, hockey fighting. You only got two minutes here, you know, and unless you get a really bad fight, and that's five minutes still. So you're back in the ice in five minutes. You know, you're good. Yeah, so. yeah yep. Well, and the, uh, going back to that hockey thing, because everybody's like, oh, because actually our other side of the family is all like wrestling background, right? And the, all growing up, they're always like, you guys need to wrestle. You guys need to wrestle. Mar, me and Mar look at him like, I don't know, put on a pair of tights or go put on some skates and go punch people in the face, you know? So everybody's like, well, you kind of regret not wrestling growing up. I'm like, well, not really at all, because I think that's where my grittiness comes from, is it from that or, uh, the hockey background, you know? Again, it's like... One thing, like I said, is, yep, they might be bigger than you, but I said you sit them down on their ass a couple of times. Like I said, they're going to stop digging in the corner as much, you know. And then, two, obviously being a little bit of a smaller cat, like I said, I love knocking those big dudes on their butt. So There's probably something important philosophically behind spending a period of your life knowing that the repercussions of your actions might be getting punched in the fucking face. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. maybe the value of the fighting in hockey 
just yeah. that life lesson that not a lot of us get anymore. It's like, do what you want, but yeah. I might punch you in the fucking face. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, that's, and our older thing. brother, uh, you know, he was, he was always a small guy too, but he was a guy, like I said, just wouldn't take crap for anybody. You know, like I said, he probably didn't know the fight was crap, but again, he never really had to for the most part, because can't let anybody talk crap. He just kind of, you know, he just always just looked at us like, because me and him, I finally hit five foot eight, but literally I was probably a hundred pounds and probably, you know, four foot four till 11th grade. So I got picked on by everybody, but, uh, it didn't really matter because usually we weren't the ones that started the fights, but uh, oh, my older brother said, you might not be the one to start it, but you're going to be the one that ends it. And I do my best. I'm not saying I didn't get a good collect ass things as well. Oh, so. you got to eat a couple to, to learn a little bit sometimes too. Mm-hmm. And the thing, we also have a mom and I'm guessing that's where we thought we used to yell at her all the time. She's uh she is literally four foot 10. So like, as we're not growing until our junior year in high school, yeah, probably. But uh, that's what her license says: four foot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so she doesn't have to use the pillow underneath her. Right. The, you know, yeah. the, the, the phone books. The yeah, phone books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's one thing she always told us growing up too. She's like, nobody's tougher than you until they prove it. Link said, everybody's just a person, just like everybody else. Link said, so that kind of gave me my grit, and Link said it kind of helped with that mentality of like. You might think you're tough me, but you're going to have to prove it. And so just not taking that shit. And then obviously drew that right into the hockey format of, all right, you might be bigger than me. I'm like, I'm probably going to end up in the penalty box, but I'm going to decleat you at some point in time in this, in this game. So, yeah. They always asked me because I was like four foot four why I was on defense. And I was just like, all right, we're going to make you a winner. I'm like, a winger, you know, like a right winger, left wing. I'm like, I don't want to score goals. <laughs> I want to protect my net and hit people. And that's literally what I do. So I was like, everybody else in defense, I'm back here. Melvin's up there trying to score goals. I'm back here like, bring it back here. I can't wait to hit this guy. Yeah. Of course, the biggest guy come down the ice and be like, I'm going to crush this little dude. Luckily, I got very low at four foot, nothing, and just <laughs> plow right through. You know, so. Yeah. Sports yeah. are fun, but the violence was the real fun of the sports. Yeah, and I think it's just part of, you know, our, our, our competitors too. You know, I love our running jokes. since probably we're old enough to talk was, you know, you ever wake up, look in the mirror, just want to punch yourself square in the face? <laughs> yep. That's all, uh, you know, I mean, if you want to think, you know, we, we shared a woman, we shared, shared a bedroom, we uh-huh. shared birthdays, we got to uh-huh. share all of our clothes. It all of our friends. Green day, blue day, you know, every time you all our old pictures, his hair's parted that way, mine's parted that way, you know, like, always just compared together, so... Yeah, eventually just wake up, you're like, oh, man, I just can't wait to the gym, just punch myself in the face tonight, and then mm, you walk around the corner, there he is, and you're yep. like, mm, son <laughs> yeah. of a, and then, uh, well, yeah. Well, and then, I think, too, I think, actually, that's really why we exceeded at a lot of the sports we have is that, especially when it came to the martial arts side of it, is that, have you ever had anybody that's the same weight, same, looks exactly the same, same strength, does the same thing for an occupation. Like I said, that it, you've never truly had to fight yourself more than having to have somebody the exact same attributes that you have, but yet you still got to find some way to push each other. So and I think that's what really helped, obviously, us strive in the MMA side of it and the martial arts in general is that, you know, this is also one thing that we've always said, too, is that the the competitiveness of being a twin like I said maybe a lot of people other feel this way too but if for me as obviously being a twin growing up is like i didn't care if we were throwing fucking rocks across the pond i would throw my fucking shoulder out trying to beat him i don't care how <laughs> right, long it was and obviously he had that same aspect yep and like i said he had that same arm. aspect so yeah i guess i really hadn't really thought of that like every role you have every fight you have there's distinguishing variables he's got a longer reach this one's taller mm-hmm. they're heavier absolutely you guys are kind of like spot on yeah. like said now, you just now if you like well, you know so especially if we get some rolls in today don't you know what we have, but when you go to roll us it'll be uh it's 
were exactly the same and completely different at the same time, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Sure, sure. So uh, That's a lot of punching and kicking early on. When did the, the rolling around with sweaty guys so this, start? So this kind of, I mean, uh, so luckily some of the guys who started the gym with had some wrestling. They were wrestlers as well, football player wrestlers. And uh, so they had some good ground game background. So the, the running joke, at least for me, when I started was I'd hit people, they'd take me down, I'd submit them. And again, I just wanted to stand with them the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's just all so I was so used to in the gym getting yeah. taken down by these wrestlers. We'd start scrapping, boom, they'd take me down. So I'm like, man, I got to learn to do something off yeah. my back here. Yeah, the yeah. in between was the, was the problem. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, and realistically, when we first started, especially even before I took that first kickboxing match and they came in and they're like, all right, you guys got to learn some jujitsu. I was like, I straight up told the guy, I was like, I want to learn enough jujitsu. I want to learn enough takedown defense to be able to stand. So I can keep it standing so I can punch people in the face. So we had to learn some of it, right? And then obviously the more we dabbled into the old sweaty body stuff, like yeah. I said, I realized actually of how much beneficial, especially when I had a kid that was six years younger than me, was a dishwasher, and in less than 30 seconds showed me that jujitsu was very something you needed to know to be able sure. to be good at this sport so. the right demonstration sells yeah. it well yeah well, yep I took him down like say because the first time I grappled too like said oh, who am I grappling all oh, this little kid over here who had glasses on it kind of reminds me of that that the Mikey Mikey Musumesi yeah Musumesi you know it's like glasses you know this guy is gonna kick my ass I'm like, yeah right yeah and I was at the time we were laying block and pouring concrete I was about as fit as a guy could be I'm like you're going to grapple that kid. I'm like, okay, this poor bastard's getting dropped on his neck. And I went up and I took him down. Before we hit the mat, he dislocated my left elbow and showed me in less than 30 seconds that I wasn't going to kick his ass and he was going to make me his bitch if, uh, if I didn't start learning some of this stuff. So Yeah. And like I said, the funny, the funny part is, is that it really just shows the yin, the yang. And uh, then, you, like I said, you know, the more you dabble into the, the more you see, like, well, the chess game that's there. Because we always knew the chess game was there standing, you know, and we could always see that. It always just made sense to us. Yeah, just kind of understood that side of it. You know, um, but we didn't really see it as much in wrestling. We always wrestled with our cousins because they're all wrestlers, too. So every time we go there, of course, they want to wrestle us. We had a great hockey double leg, you know, football double leg. So we could kind of hold our own there. But there wasn't a, the manipulation of the joints, the... The, you know, the control was there, but it was diff different. And I always say, like, uh, when I hit, rolled with my first jujitsu brown belt, and again, he was a lot bigger than I was. But I will say, like, in all of, I mean, at the other time, I think I was already, like, 6-0 and at MMA. I think it was 6-0 and in kickboxing. It won some jujitsu tournaments. It was, I think, white and blue. And I rolled with a brown belt for the first time. He was a little bit bigger than me. It was a, I will say it was the first time in my adult life that I couldn't do anything. I've never, like, I've had tough, big weightlifter guys try to hold me down, but mm -hmm. I was always that squirmy guy. I'd just never get up, and I'd yeah. wiggle my way out. This brown belt put me on the ground, put his knuckles right in the center of my back, started applying some pressure, and literally I was just sitting there. And again, I was that guy. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to tap him. MMA fighters, no, you know. And he just crushed me for, like, and again, bell just keeps going off, and, He's just, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be done. No, you know, typical, you know, brown, black belt thing. Like, oh, you're tired. Cool. Now let's see how good you are. Because again, that's when your technique starts showing, right? Sure. When you get tired. So sure. he just held me there. And I swear we were there for 15, 20 minutes. And it was the first time in my adult life. I was like, I felt like a six-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, it's just, Whoa, that, that helpless like, feeling sets in after the first round. And you're and like, oh, I God. say now as a teacher, I always say there's two types of people. There's a type of people that see that they lack at something. And they're like, ah, that'll never happen to me. And walk away. And there's two uh, person that sees that they lack at something. Like, I need to learn that. And I instantly stood up and I'm like, jujitsu, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. That's yep. kind of how it started. Otherwise, uh, now if you look back, it's funny. I started as a striker. But I have 11 submissions and two TKOs on my record. 
And people are like, oh, every time I see my record, everybody's assuming we're going to take him down. That wasn't the case. I'd start throwing punches. My third fight, they're like, oh, I got you a Muay Thai kickboxer. This guy's going to stand and trade because everybody's trying to take me down, right? So I hit him a couple times. They tried to take me down. So by third professional fight, they're like, kickboxer, man, he's going to trade. I'm like, finally, somebody's going to trade with him. Hit him twice, shot a double on me. Honor <laughs> him like 11 <laughs> minute, 11 seconds, you know, or something like that, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, oh, you're a grappler, huh? I'm like, well, yeah, I am, but. No, I really just wanted to, you know, punch and kick a little bit, but they keep right. taking me down. Yeah, yeah. Play the game they want to play. Right? Exactly, and that's yeah. why, and then that was the ultimate goal, just to be the best martial all around martial artist sure. we could be, you know. So, Kleber Luisiano. I've never heard of so it. So he's a six-time world champion. Mm-hmm. He is under Hoyler Gracie. He actually mm-hmm. got his black belt. Uh, so he used to train in the room, the original Gracie Academy. So him and Hoyler have known each other since they were literally kids. And uh, so I'm trying to think, like, so him and Salo got their black belt on the same day. So that's kind of like the group of people he came up with. So he is a six-time world champion, I think, three-time gi, uh, two-time no gi, and I think three Masters world championships, something of that mm-hmm. nature. So uh, um, he, uh, his biggest I'll notable win will kind of like, uh, like most people, if you know Clever, um, if you were there in the early days, the way he kind of made his way to the United States is him and Leo Vieira had a super fight grappling match in Rio. And uh, uh, Clever was just a brown belt at the time. Uh, Leo had just got his black, and then mm-hmm. Clever had, uh, ended up winning that match, which was like a huge upset at the time. Sure. And uh, then they actually just had their second match last year. So mm-hmm. they did a rematch last year, which uh, Leo ended up wearing. So now we're hoping that Charlie is going to go on sometime. So, yep. so uh, that's kind of our winner, too. You know, and to say uh, one way you'd probably recognize him a little bit more is he was Chris Cyborg's uh, jiu-jitsu coach mm-hmm. forever, and he was also Tito Ortiz's, yeah, which he yeah. made the appearance on The Ultimate Fighter because he has his yeah. jiu-jitsu coach. And then actually I almost got in a fight on that show, apparently. That one fight yeah. And still long-time friends with both of them guys. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. so they're like yep. friends all you know, living in the Huntington Beach connected area. Connected my dots now. I'm like, no, wait a minute. I do know. Yeah. 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 And when he actually, and again, if you went uh, to any of the bigger, you know, I'm sure, you know, obviously we see each other competitions all the time. But uh, so he had the super fight for the finale of the TCI, the Axe one. Yeah, the TCI so, Invitational. Yeah. Show, but they've had three of them now. But yeah. Yeah. Number two. So mm-hmm. him and Hanato Tavares had a super fight match. So, uh yeah. Yep. So that's kind of where our, our, our lineage starts. And it was just a great fit for us. We actually had started under uh, Hoyce and Rodrigo Gracie. And uh, it was a good fit at the time, but it was, we had like a third party that was kind of in between us, right? True. That we kind of uh, controlled like how we belted and so on and so forth. And um, so we just kind of had a falling out with that third party. So we were looking for somebody else to kind of continue our lineage um, through and uh, find somebody that really fit our style. Because we were really competitive based always. And at that time, Hoist was heading more a little bit more towards self-defense, which, you know, we still teach that portion, sure, of it, sure. which is a huge yeah. part of jujitsu. But we wanted to kind of know what the latest and greatest always was too, you know. Yep. And Clever at the time, um, for one, like I said, I think his style for one, like, uh, Rodrigo and Hoist are obviously much bigger black belts or, you know, obviously more like 200 pound type guys. And we've always wanted to have a black belt that was more our size that kind of understood of being the small guy. Hmm. Um, so, and at the time he was still signed by Bellator. He was still active in MMA. He was still doing all the world tournaments, going to ADCC and 
doing all those tournaments and stuff. So he was still relevant in where where the game was headed. Well, actively competing. Yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. worked good too for like him. So us, I think at that time we were purple. So I, we received our blue from uh, Hoist. We received our purple from Rodrigo. They had like a combination affiliate with the team we were uh, loosely affiliated with at that time. And um, so it actually worked out pretty good because at that time me and Melvin were one and two in the Midwest here for I think like five years running. Melvin was in the top 50 in the world in our weight class and MMA. Uh, I was in the top 175 in the world MMA at that time. So like our MMA was like very noticeable and his jujitsu was very noticeable so we like very well could pair each pair together so when he'd come he'd bring his stuff we bounce knowledge off each other so it just it was like all about like a gray fit it was like one of the things that just felt like it made sense mm -hmm. and uh um for us for sure how my top game has and it would have never been what it is now just because of that because i was such a bottom game player until well, and i was going to say that kind of goes back to us you know never really rolling with uh, high level black belts at our size you know everybody especially around here i mean there's few and far between black belts obviously that were in the state of minnesota and if they were i said a lot of those guys were some bigger dudes you know oh, i remember so all of my absolutes against bruce hoyer yeah, yeah uh, the Travis v. brock larson brock you know like, like we fit right in there it was yeah you know, so yeah. um so <laughs> make it a two-on-one match it should closer. yeah well then well, especially with bruce me and him he put me on his shoulder it still won't be the same damn height as bruce man <laughs> yeah, i just giant. remember to go come over me i'm like this height like one hand took up my whole forearm. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to have to tap on my arms going home with Bruce. <laughs> yeah, well, and too, I think that's a lot of the stuff, too, is that when you get going on these absolutes. Absolutely, yeah. Good, all of those guys are fantastic. But um, obviously, like I think that was a little bit kind of our excuse of losing some of these uh, absolute matches and some of these open weight class ones. Like, oh, they're just bigger than me. So getting clever and finally getting, getting my hands on them for a role – he showed me very quickly that he is still very much better. And the top game pressure that he brought that day let me realize a lot of the holes in my game. It doesn't matter what size somebody is, but like I said, by it settled in that, that I, I still had a lot of stuff to work on to be able to make sure that I am a very well-rounded jujitsu player sure. in that game. Like said, so it was very nice. It was an eye-opener, really, a really big eye-opener, obviously, being same size and still knowing that yep there's a lot of stuff i still need to learn still feeling mm -hmm. like a six-year-old kid absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. and he still does yeah. it like he said he's 40 yeah, like i'm gonna get my black belt now i'll be able to oh never mind i'm still a white belt yeah like he said he's 46 years old and still comes in and runs runs through me like crazy nobody know that when you get your black belt you just turn to be a white belt again because then you get the fifth degree black belt to the fourth degree and he's like oh that's cute look at that black belt you got now this is what a black belt feels like you're like what People can still do this to me. This isn't supposed to happen. Like well, this. it's, it's got to be a little bit of that. I taught you this shit. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's one well, step ahead of you. He's yeah. got seven moves that he just showed you. He's got fourteen more that he still just got ready to use on it right. to counter. It's, the, it's one. the same thing. You know, me and my training partners are getting better and moving up in ranks. Well, yeah, we all are, mm -hmm. right? Like, so same so thing is too, you right? don't stop when, you know, when you're the coach now, exactly. you keep getting better, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You know? yeah, and I'll say the ones that do, you can see that as soon as they step on the mats, it's completely different because there's rolling black belts, as I say, and non-rolling black belts, and you'll know as soon as you walk down the room which ones roll and which ones don't. Because, mm -hmm. again, like I said, you know, to, to, to stay competitive, even as you get older, you know, like I said, uh, you know, if you're in a good room, it doesn't matter if you're 85 or 25, you should all be able to roll together. And like I said, even the 85 year old black belt, 
is still going to show you a two or thing or two. Mm -hmm. And yep, you might be physically stronger, but he's still going to show you that he knows a lot more than you do. So I've rolled with an 80 something year old black belt. And really? At the very least, fucking hard to tip over. Right. Just glued to the ground. Yeah. I said, I think shout out to Dick. Yeah. Keep on the mask. I like, I was just like, I hope that 50 is this. I shouldn't say that. Kelly now, I can't believe it is like 50 something. I'm sure he's probably oh, on 60 and I rolled him he like looks 10 like he's about times. 68, yeah. Yeah, Kelly Johnson. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Yeah, he's still with a 27 pack. Yeah, shout out to uh-huh. Kelly's 27 pack. Mm-hmm. He's still got that. Yeah. Got. I remember when I hit, he was 40 and I was, I remember when he was 40 and I was 30. I was like, man, I wish I looked like him when I was 40. And I wish I looked like him when I was 30 when he's 50. No kidding. Yeah. Doesn't but, stop. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so that's a little, a little bit of kind of how the, the lineage happened, you know, and uh, that kind of what kind of got us into the, the, the grappling realm. And the biggest thing is with our competition is that, you know, everything I've ever tried to do, I wanted to be better than him, and he's always wanted to be a world champion and made me want to be a world champion. And, you know, I uh, never made it. Won, obviously, some good championships in MMA. I got to fight for a couple world championships, won one, lost one. Uh, Melvin won a, actually the regional championship in MMA. Got to fight for uh, King of the Cage world title against Frankie Signs. Uh, came real close to, you know, making that UFC call, got to tra- travel around. But, uh, you know, that's why after we kind of, uh, you know, slowly pulled away from me, I mean, my, my goal is still to walk away with the Masters World Championship at some point, and I'll keep rolling with the 25-year-olds getting killed until I can try to do it or until I just keep on rolling. I'm that guy that needs the, the little locker to get out to the mat, and yep, I the take Masters my crooked fingers out there, and I tape them up, and we go do our thing, you know. So. Well, to your, to your comment about not never quite getting there, almost getting the UFC call, it puts you in, like, the one-tenth of the one-percent of the fucking planet. Uh, yeah, true. Well, know, and that's what, the whatever whatever high-level goals I maybe didn't have, the closer I got, the farther behind the rest of the world was. Like, well, yeah, that first, you know. that, and that's how, you know, and that's what I kind of noticed about that first thing is that kind of I, I knew that that us competing all these years against each other kind of helped to wear that first kickboxing match right you take all that things you put it back all you know like all these people were worried about winning and losing and so on and so forth where I was we were more willing just like I I, I just need to know at least if I, if I don't try I'm not going to know so I have to at least try and that's just kind of the mindset we had and the same with world championships you know mm-hmm. uh, never won a world championship also never lost in the first round either so you know, I like the next thing, you know, obviously got to grapple one of your teammates multiple times. He's obviously uh, very far up there in the world. Well, several great, months. Great grapple, you had, so you had so three or four matches like versus Kelly, and then obviously now you got a couple versus Marcus yeah, himself. Too, me so. and Kelly, I'm sure I think we got a couple more matches too. But, oh, uh, but you sure. know, so I, I'm just fortunate uh, with all the sicknesses and stuff that I've had. That's kind of the reason I've had to pull away from MMA mm-hmm. is um, just all the surgeries and stuff I've had. But I'm, I just feel fortunate that in between my surgeries, I still get the opportunity to to even just share the mats with people, people like that, you know, uh, one, some of the kindest, nicest people ever met, killers you'll ever meet, and that's 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 the best part of relationships you make, and uh, you know, obviously from a feather martial artist, you, you know, there's something, mm. you know, there's something to be said about, uh, <laughs> something mm. always to be said uh, about just spending that mat time with people, you know, whether sure. it's one match or the guys you come into the room with, guys, girls, all that good stuff, you know. That uh, it's just you know that that camaraderie. You're gonna have that moment forever. You know whether you lose or you win, you can see it as a bad thing. I try to take it all as learning. Of course, you know everybody wants to do, everybody trains for the W, but you can always take that that learning out of there and like that that experience you'll always have for the rest of your life. Well, I think that's a big thing that carried us that you know through our martial arts career too. And 
just kind of the people we are, especially that people, you know, as you get to know us, this is kind of how we've always been is that, you know, everybody was asked, man, are you always like, are you mad at your part of the guy you're fighting? Are you like wanting to just kick his ass? Like, so, no, I want to win, but we've always treated it like a T-ball match. You know, like I said, it's like watching kids play T-ball. There's got to be a winner and a loser. I've never had any animosity in between that, but I think I also helped, that helped us excel in some of this because, again, I think we're a little bit ahead of some of these other people because we started out doing hard sparring, but we realized very shortly that we didn't, that wasn't needed. We'll save our most of our getting rocked from people that are really trying to punch us in the face. But like I said, it'll give it, but it also, like I said, it, I think it helped us stay calm and let us pull the emotions out of it. Cause I'm not mad at him. Like I said, me and him were mad at each other when we're pissed off teenagers trying to beat the crap out of each other. But we realized that usually the person that started the fight was usually the one who got his ass kicked in the end because they're the one that antagonized it to the other person that's staying calm. They're mm-hmm. emotional. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. too, so like I said, I and mean, being able to carry that into the martial arts side of it, like I said, I think it helped us really excel in that type of stuff too, you know, so. Well, I bet that puts you ahead of the curve. I would assume, like, if I'm 26 years old and I decide to go join an MMA gym, I want to try my hand at some fights, the very first struggle I'm going to run into is the calmness mm-hmm. or the lack of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Your, your, yeah. your system is designed to respond in a dramatic way to being punched in the fucking face. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's exactly Which right. It was actually really f- funny because uh, me and him obviously got started early in the MMA careers as far as the other people that were training underneath us. And it was funny because, like, we'd be sitting in the locker room and, like, me and him have a, so much different aspect of fight day than a lot of people do. A fight day, you know, people wake up and they're nervous that they're going to fight that day. If you ever seen us on fight day and you can talk to some of the people at the fight commission is that they're like, you guys are, like, the most calmest people. You're walking around, you're telling jokes, all that stuff. Until they wrap my hands and I put my gloves on, then I know that that's my cue. It's time, it's time to be, you know, we're taking this seriously. But me stressing and leading up to the fight that's right. going to happen already. We made weigh-ins. We're, this fight schedule, it's going to happen. Right. I'm not going to spend my whole morning, you know, the what, shoulda, woulda, couldas, what can happen. Oh, I'm going to get knocked out where I have a lot. We've had a lot of fighters that's back there, and they're, like, nervous rocking, you know, talk, you know, like, you can see it's getting under their skin, like, overthinking this fight. We're in the whole time, me and him, like, and, you know, obviously we fought on several fight cards together, and me and him are sitting there fucking around with each other poking <laughs> telling jokes and like ain't you guys fighting a little bit you know and they're like well yeah absolutely we are you know and it's like don't you be like i figured you'd be more like amped up and like ready to fight and i'm like this is a waste of energy man yeah, you burn an energy yeah, i was like, gonna say like nervousness and the jitters that come with it is literally the expenditure of energy fuck that absolutely and the fact that now once you start doing that now that adrenaline's starting to pump in and you're starting to think of these situations you might possibly get in or somebody punching the neck now you find yourself clenching your fist and yeah. you know all their adrenaline's already dumping out once already instead mm-hmm. like I said my cue and i'm pretty sure he's the same way is when it's time they were, when my their coach denny was always like all right time to wrap your hands hands that's that means it's it's time now we're getting ready to get in the fight mindset and start thinking about game planning resetting that game planning what we've been working on all fight camp and really training that focus to that but not spending my whole day on this is 15 minutes before we go to fight all right turn it on let's now it's time to fight so it's like turning your hat around that's exactly right. Flip, flipping the switch. And then you, oh, know. Or you bring hey, them fingers over the top. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. Curl it in. You know, oh, you cover up that thumb and oh, now, yeah. you know, but, the old freaking. But you don't start there. You don't no, start there. absolutely not. You, you start the hard too. Yeah. yeah, you, you know, you don't, don't, well, you don't want to give away all those secrets oh, right out the gate, yeah. you know. All answers are found in Stallone movies. Yeah, absolutely. Especially exactly. for fighting. Yeah, oh, man. Cliffhanger. Don't let them fall. It'll be all right. Hey, who, who, uh. Who made it to black belt first? Nah, we 
were awarded our black belts on the same day, along with uh, Professor Anderson. That's also okay. Well, let's just get so. this right. Okay, so okay, Melvin gets to claim. Oh. Melvin gets to claim that he got born first. Then, so I'm taking that. I got my black belt first. Okay? Meaning, okay. meaning they called your name first. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, he called my name first. Well, this is this is why. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before this, I'm gonna go back to the give him. Hang on, hang on. I'm gonna give him this one because this other one's been a debate. For years, oh, and I think this one. Geez. So I'll give you 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 did get your black belt oh, first, but now okay. you can explain of why this is a touchy subject for all right. Well, for so you know, as you ask, let's ask us who's born first. Our our birth gifts say the same thing. Uh, the 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 actual is there two we're two minutes apart. Okay, but of course, so Melvin, everybody's like, who's the first kid? Melvin's course, I am. I am, I am the firstborn, you know, I'm mm -hmm. the older brother, or, you yeah. know, all that fun, good stuff. That's why he has more. But let's hair. tell. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. tell the the story how it really was. Okay, the story how it really was. Okay. I was breached, man. I was backwards. I was ready to come into this world, and here I am blocking the hole. So we go in the C-section, so, right? So go, just go as, you can, as you can tell Melvin now. is crying, of course, just like he still is right now. He's still yeah. crying about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. So then I'm like, take him, dude. Just take the crybaby first. I'll just chill and wait. Yeah. So technically, Melvin is still the crybaby. Yeah, so He's crying. Mar was supposed to be born first, so then he ends up being pulled out second. But I always tell everybody, as which you probably know now, you've been sitting in here for a half an hour talking to us <laughs> and talking about this. He's been asked backwards before that we even came into oh, the world. I mean, he's yeah. been, I mean, if you would have just told you, did still the right lying. thing. Still no, crying, still, oh, just so, so again, you can have, when we leave you can here, have, guys, you got will, your black belt will, first. He will call my mom and I will get a scolding later from my mother because Mel will be still pouting about how Marvin was picking, his younger brother was picking on him. Oh, no, she's just going to do it because I'm the favorite. So, I mean, <laughs> hey, that's just how it goes, you know. So. so now you know how many, how we got into fights. All I'm going to start yeah, So yeah. pretty yeah. soon here, you're gonna, uh, if you hear a little yeah. ruffling in the podcast here, it's just going to be yeah. me choking just, Melvin out here. Just let me, let me move my mics out of the way before you Yeah, we got a whole other I'll official. choke him over yeah. there. We'll come back. We'll just leave him. Me that's and perfect. Matt, me and you will finish the podcast. It'll be, you know, probably way more interesting. Win winner Melvin finishes is. the episode. Yeah, exa yeah exactly. Oh, man. Well, hey, uh, don't worry. So now when we talk about who gets their black belt first, I'm going to tell everybody that Marvin got his black belt two minutes before I did. So you can be the older black belt. Oh, you can be the older black belt. You can, you can take that one. Yeah. When, uh, <laughs> what was the date of all this? How about that? Uh, our black belt. Did you guys get it? Yeah. We received our black belt October 2019. So we just October got our 19. first degree this year. So our first degree black belts mm -hmm. on our clever this year. So. Mm -hmm. There are three years of black belt as of 2020. Yep. Oh, sorry, 2022. So was it a year and a half of white, two years blue, four and a half is purple, four, three and a half are brown. And pretty pretty even to like moving up together over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think again it kind of goes back to uh, how we push each other. Um, sure. Obviously, so anytime that he would advance his game, I would do the same, and, and likewise. So I think we kind of drug each drug each other up along with uh, Professor Anderson, who's also one of the teachers over here too. Mm -hmm. um, kind of pulled everybody up with him as we went, you know, as far as uh, advancing that game and knowledge of the sport. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think our competitiveness would have kind of ate us alive if uh, one of us was four stripe. Yeah, somebody something. somebody moved out of town, started training different, and started yeah yeah pacing it higher. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they're yeah. Next one, and uh, then the other one would move into the same town and start yeah. training at the Follow gym across up. the yeah. week, yeah. Or across the across the road the or something. Yeah. yeah. Long well, longest period was purple. Purple. purple yep. yep. And that was because. Yep. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that because. Not only we had a little lull and we kind of had a little breakup with that third party in between us mm -hmm. and Hoist and Rodrigo. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we once love Hoist and High Regal never had any problems with them. They were always great. And then they, yep. we got made sure we got their blessing prior to moving to Clever. So all of us cool. get yeah. Chad. We just like I said, because uh, that's yep. one thing you'll find. We're very, very loyal people. We try to show our, our students everything the same thing. Obviously, people move, things, all that fun stuff. But, you know, it wasn't out of that. It was out of the, the third-party issues. Yeah. So. Administrative mm-hmm. issues. Yes, exactly. administrative yeah. issues. Yeah. And then that was the same thing, too, because originally when we kind of got left in limbo, um, we have a great relationship with Brock Larson, and we originally were thinking about maybe leaning that direction. Uh, since Vuani obviously in the state, um, too, we already had a good real, uh, relationship with Brock. Cause mm-hmm. every, I double leg him every time I see him just because mm-hmm. that's the only opportunity I'm going to get. Yeah, um, right. Melvin gets comored every time. But once we sat down in between double all the owners. He, he didn't say he didn't get comored. Okay, he said gotcha, he double okay, yeah. well, well, legged. But comored the problem is he gets sprawled and he got comored. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he just left and then, that part out. You know, the head and arm choke or whatever one only wanted. But um, so we were going to talking about like uh, leaning towards that direction and going with Brock. But um, mm-hmm. once we sat down with Mimar and the other, only, uh, uh, the other owner here, uh, uh, Danny Anderson, is that uh, – we started in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Um, we kind of want to stay in that realm um, just to help, for one, for so our lineage kind of went in that same direction. Not that you can't, you know, everybody has their own direction, but we kind of want to stay in that uh, Gracie realm as far as lineage goes. And then uh, we stumbled actually or at a seminar with Hoyce, and that was the first time that we actually met Clever. Clever. And this was back when he was first getting here from Rio. Couple striped blue belt at the time, some of that nature. Yeah, Marvin was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were both just a couple striped blue belts at the time. But uh, Mar got a chance to roll with him, and then after we got uh, done rolling, he it said, like, "You know, kind of size down. black belt. This will be good." Yeah. And so, this is like sure. this is when he first got. To, you know, almost been early to the United States, so like zero English. Him and Hoist were having, and he just knew he was fingers. in town for a seminar at a different place, and found out Hoist is in town, and decided to come say hi to his buddy Hoist, and. Uh, we're sitting there grappling, and of course, one of the other guys here. Uh, he, he was uh, one of our assistant coaches here, too, and he was part owner at one point. Uh, he moved to California. His name's Jahan. And we're like, oh, we're going to do a little live, grab, live grappling in between the seminar, kind of, and then go back into the technique after that. So we do a little bit of live grappling and, like, rolling arm bar in, like, two seconds, right? You know, uh, you know, just a guy I know I know is, like, you know, he knows me, you know him. So, you know, I'm like, arm bar, like, two seconds, and I we, like, go to slap hands again, and then Clever just kind of grabs him like this and, like, holds him back and he's like, just points at him and then points at me and then Jahan just slides back and just slaps hands with me and like so we're grappling all right here we go like I'm a blue belt he's pretty close to my same size just killed me for like seven minutes mm-hmm. and the funny part is we're like grappling in the middle of the seminar all of a sudden like Hoist's like all right we're gonna get some uh, we're gonna go ahead and get some circle back up here and then like I go to stop and he just points at me and we just started keeps grappling. Mm-hmm. So like he's teaching moves. Clever's just over here beating me up in the corner and everybody else is learning moves. <laughs> and then finally after like five, six minutes of him probably getting bored of beating me up, he's like chokes me out, collar choke. And at this time I think well but when I got my blue belt, I'd wore a gi like seven times, I think, because mm-hmm. it was mostly all mm-hmm. no gi MMA right. stuff. Right. And uh yeah, it chokes me out with a collar choke. I said like, All right. Apparently not a black belt. <laughs> yeah. It's just got a good uh, got a good eye opener right there. Well, you don't so. need to speak English. You need to speak jujitsu. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. right. And he just knew I was full of piss and vinegar. And like I said, I, I tried my hardest for them. Mm-hmm. Five, seven minutes, whatever, to not get killed. And he was, I think, just having fun watching me just be like, oh, look at this kid. <laughs> He's just going to keep on working himself into bad positions. Perfect. Uh did did the your progression slow just because of the administrative lineage stuff, oh, or was yeah, so, it just a longer period of training? Yeah, no. So actually, uh, that's, yeah, that's actually where I was heading with that. Is mm-hmm. that um, you know, obviously we're uh, kind of in limbo because of the administrative deal. 
Um, but then we affiliated with Clever, and he did one of the things that I think that make people good at what they do is that just because we affiliate with him, obviously he didn't bring us up. He pointed out some a very huge, uh, some very huge holes that were in our game mm-hmm. um, that we needed to make sure we're right, uh, that we were going to write before we moved up. Um, and one, of, and really what he, it was was just MMA background essentially. That uh, again, I I basically I had anti anti wrestling jujitsu. You know, take me down, put me on my back, I'm going to sub you. You know, that's that was kind of my goal. But my top game. We leg lock since my very first practice, so we never had like one of the leg lock rules. So, let's just say I can I can easily look back now and say my guard passing was garbage. My top game all together, like I would literally bail out top if I couldn't pass my guard, bail out leg lock, right? And this is a purple belt at the time, you know. It's just, uh, you know, and and then same thing. Even like get to mount, I'd get to mount and literally get sick get of shook. not getting the three yeah. things I know how to do from there at that time, you know, yeah. like just felt like I never could finish off the top. So I literally like take the bottom position to try to finish. And he, uh, opened our eyes very quickly that, you know, there was, uh, some issues that needed to be shored yeah. up. You, first, you were so. training necessity with some gaps. Like here's what I need when this wrestler guy takes me down yep. to yep. survive, to get through, yep. get yep. sneaky, win a fight. Mm. But like that's not a complete game. Well, and that exactly. was the biggest thing too. Exactly. And I think and he, he realized. Yeah, very exactly. Quick. And I think that was the <laughs> Being biggest a very thing. Giant top player game guy. If you ever see Cleberitz, yeah, uh, like pitcher Hoyler, you know, mm. you know that knee cut. Good luck stopping it. So mm. yeah, yeah. But that was a really big eye opener for us that we obviously had some huge goals. But I think also now looking back, it was one of the best things because he wasn't willing just to just because of we've had all this time in there and not which I feel like we hit a little bit, which is being athletic. We are our athleticism and our willingness and grit to be able to push through, I think got us a really long way. Um, but it never really helped button up those holes that really were going to matter when we started competing at a much higher level in just that jujitsu, that jujitsu aspect. So at first it was tough to chew on, but like I said, now I'm thinking it's one of the best things ever. You know I mean? Like I said, obviously it, it, it made me, pull out of my regular mindset that I'm just going to beat you with just being athletic and knowing the moves I know to filling the big gaps of, like I said, guard passing from the top position, you know, getting stuck in people's guards, opening the guard, you know, little things like that that need to be addressed before you start moving into these, you know, higher competitions and these higher levels. So um, it was one of the best things I think that probably could have happened in my jiu-jitsu game. Like I said, I think I've never worked so hard to fill some of those gaps um, than I did in that position position. And then once I, we finally were awarded our brown belts, I instantly stopped rolling the way I used to and not allowing as much of my athleticism to obviously in competition, you still got to have plenty of athleticism, but again, not 100% relying on that. I'm going to be faster than this dude. I'm going to be mm-hmm. able to blow through this guy's guard pretty quickly. Cause again, once you get to the higher belts, it's one of the hardest things I uh, to do in jujitsu is to get past people's feet. So, um, like I said, it really helped it up, and I think it really shows in my game as far as how it is now. So, I would even extrapolate that kind of thing, like having somebody come in and force you to address your gaps in your training. I would extrapolate it is I'm going to be a coach and a business owner, a gym owner. Like, 
in a in a way you can't have those gaps in your game when you go to teach other people and to run a business because you've got inherent weaknesses right off the bat. And a, and absolutely. And again, that was one thing too. That's a little, we probably have a little bit different um, uh, upbringing from a lot of other people. Again, like I said, a lot of the gyms that were relevant in the time that we started were all down in the cities. It wasn't feasible for us, so we were ended up being coaches right out the gate. Just due to necessity and we knew we needed to further our game um and then again obviously started well, getting really up with those guys to, so. uh, you know get better at mma at first and then we just inadvertently had people you know you know we started winning you know we both won amateur titles and professional titles and then inadvertently people were like hey you guys train people and then here we are training we're like i i mean yeah i can show you what we're doing i get you know and then we realized obviously each coach you know hoist Rodrigo, each kind of showed us like each one had a had a, 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 a eye-opening thing of what we needed to be uh, better at. And at first, I just wanted to be a great striker and then be able to defend wrestling and jiu-jitsu. And then it just became about being the, the most well-rounded martial artist. And the best part, I will say, is that it was a hard, a hard way to kind of go out because we were kind of off on our own, you know. But at the same time is that we kind of got to... I always say it was like maybe not the fastest path. Obviously, you have black belts that are like seven years, and if you took the mat time that we have on, we're probably black belts twice. But you know what I'm saying? Just because yeah, yeah. you know, owning a gym five days a week, 15 years, plus my day job, you know what I mean? Fights, competitions, so on and so yeah. forth. Um, but it really kind of made us become well-rounded by becoming a coach because, uh, you know, the, the first reason I wanted to, you know, the, I shouldn't say the second reason I wanted to start doing mixed martial arts and uh you know competing is because i wanted to make sure i wasn't teaching crappy martial arts the first couple of yeah, people i trained that's from where like, i was gonna go the yep. first couple of people i trained with they were great guys and they obviously read some great books and worked hard together and which was great but i just didn't like when i was like okay so when i come to this competition next week this is what you did in yours and they're like well and then it was like well i mean you've been preaching this to me for the last two months mm -hmm. that this is what i need to do and yeah. Now we're gonna. I'm about to go on this thing, and again, I I had you know, lucky I was young and full of piss and manners, like whatever, I guess those figured out, you know. But, you know, but I'm looking, I'm like, well, you know, why would you tell me uh, these these things, you know? And unfortunately, there's a lot of them out there still. But uh, I just don't want to be there, so. You don't want to be hypothetically good at fighting, no. yes. especially I, if you're going to get in a real fight. Right. And I didn't want to be <laughs> the, and have and the application be, side, and again, too. Everybody do their own thing, but I didn't want to be the teacher that was like, yeah, do this. And then, like, I, oh, because you tried this before and, and, you know, what, here in practice with your buddy helping you or whatever. Mm -hmm. or, no, or have you really tried this? Or have you had yeah. you been in a handicap competition, you know, com competition of any sort, you know? And that's kind of how I equate. Like, people ask me all the time, why do you have MMA fight? It's kind of brutal, don't you? And I'm like... Well, if you want to be best at something, it's like, say, Melvin's daughter wants to be the best dancer in the world. Well, how do you find out your daughter's the best dancer in the world? You take your dance competition. Yeah. I said, this is my dance competition. Yeah. So that's why, we, you know, kind of, Well, uh, it, I just want to make sure that I wasn't teaching the hypothetical, you know, martial arts are good. And again, a lot of times what was great about the competitions is that you didn't find out in the room is that some things needed to be adjusted to work in real time. I was told that you couldn't. When I first started MMA, I was told that you couldn't use Muay Thai MMA because you get taken down. Well, I would use my Muay Thai to defend takedowns. Yep. So it was a little was more. A, it was modified to obviously adapted, to yeah. adapt to so, to that. Obviously, true, we're not going to be pressing those hips out, you know, like you would in a Change traditional tradition in a traditional Muay Thai. But again, when you, clinch they, is still a clinch. It's still, still it's still relevant. It's still relevant. And then, like shortly after that, Anderson Silva came out and just mm -hmm. started dominating people in the clinch. So then yeah. people. Yeah. 
totally realized. And that was one thing we realized too shortly after being all open and then now again kind of being forced into that coaching role for us to be able to expand and then obviously to bring up the people below us is that I, some people might get offended by this, but again, we didn't want to teach bullshit at all, right? Mm-hmm. I want to teach stuff that we knew was truly effective in a self-defense situation. And again, we always revert to this, especially to all of our new students. Again, is that if I can learn one martial arts, yes, it would be for self-defense. Yes, it would be Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Because again, I'm going to try to limit the damage. I'm going to try to close the gap, put them, put them in a bad position. Just but the percentage of confrontations that go to the ground is astronomical yeah, compared yeah, to want to stay yeah. standing, right? Yeah. But then on that same note, though, but like I said, if anybody ever asked me, the best self-defense is mixed martial arts because now I can judge distance. I can keep people at bay and I can also dictate that space to be able to get a chance to close the gap without getting, you know, um, clipped on the way in or like I said, doing the, you know, traditional Gracie thing, you know, cover up, you know, both bull forward. Eat some to get what you need, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bull forward. And then, you you know, that's which if you look at the beginning of my MMA career, you might be like, I don't know. It looks like that's how Marvin exactly did it. And then that's (laughs) one thing that joke was always was a big driving factor behind our martial arts career. Not that we we wanted to fight already, but again, is that we want to prove to everybody that is stepping onto our mats that, this we use this this is happening in real life we'll take these same techniques we're showing you and do this in an aspect where somebody is trying to knock my head off and still make it effective because again without that that side of it i'm not saying that you can't be a technique only person but again when it comes down to true self-defense if you've never been in that aspect you will have no idea of what your reaction is going to be. And I'll be one of the first people to say that, you know, watching some of this MMA go you know, these first couple ones and choice hoists out there wrapping his gear around people's neck. I'm like, Oh, I'd never fucking tap that. The first time somebody wrapped around my neck, I did just like everybody else. I reached up in less than five seconds and yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, cause again, Practice I've never been in that situation. So yeah, absolutely. My tap hand got really strong real quick, but still again, sometimes a gi just drapes across my face and I feel oh, stifled and that's enough. That's uh, enough. I can't, I can't handle it. You know, you were on top, bro. So what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still, I panicked. You got pan. that three times big gi that's just blanketing everybody. <laughs> but again, so. we wanted the people that we wanted the, the, the proof that this is something that we do and it is effective. It can be effective. Like I said, obviously at the, you know, at the higher level of this sport, and especially when it comes down to people truly being able to protect themselves. We don't want people walking off of our mats with this big mindset that they could totally just go out and kick somebody's ass in the street if somebody's trying to start a fight with them, not really ever having to be in a bad situation or have to ever be use it to an application. Uh, um, again, this might make some of the people a little upset, uh, but we had a karate, uh, it was a form work karate black belt, right? He only did form work. He's never sparred once in his life. And he came into our gym. I think he was probably about 240 pounds, six foot two, six foot three. Um, but has never had to judge distance and ever to have anybody actually try to attack back. So uh, after his second or third class, he asked Coach Mar over here. He's like, hey, man, can we spar? I've never sparred before. And we're like, yeah, man, we spar every Friday, dude. Come on in. We spar Friday, like on Friday. We'll come in. We'll do technique, uh, time in sparring, and yeah. you know, I'll get up to probably like 50, 60 percent of sparring. But yeah, absolutely, you're more than welcome. Step on in, right? So he comes in and they start sparring. And Marvin's obviously, I think you had probably 15 fights by then, probably. Yeah. Probably and again, he, and it, so they they touch gloves and they're about to do the sparring match, and then all of a sudden, Mar starts cutting angles and starts moving his feet. And this dude, you could just instantly see, is just <laughs> lost. He's like. 
crossing his feet, trying to keep up with Marvin circling around him. Mm -hmm. And then he's still got like this bouncing motion with his feet. And Marvin like pumps a jab out there and dude tries to lunge in with a cross and just steps face first into his fist, hits the ground, popped his nose, nose started bleeding a little bit instantly. And Marvin's like, Hey man, dude, sorry, dude, like that, but was obviously not trying to do that, but you kind of popped your way into it. Are mm -hmm. you all right? You know, and the guy like stands up and then just has this befuddled look on his face. And he looks at me and Mar and he goes, I've been wearing this black belt for two years, walking around thinking that I would just whoop somebody's ass if I ever had an altercation on the streets. Right. And then you, as being a half my size, giving up 100 pounds in probably five inches of reach in less than a minute showed me that I would have got my ass kicked. And that's one thing we just didn't want people to do is we yeah. want to have that that background to, to, to show that this is effective if you're practicing and training and right. you do this in the right aspect that you're not just going to learn a thing like I said this guy yeah. and then th that was accidentally funny accidentally got knocked on his ass yeah and then realized I will like, say though like I said have you ever part of the karate person and points firing it's a lot of back and forward motion again I he jumped forward I literally held my hand out I am just saying yes I pumped my jab but it was like 20% but sure, he came at yeah. me with 120% yeah. and boom he went down you're just testing distance and I was, timing yeah. that, you're not you're not swinging yet yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, like I said I had plenty of times I tried to knock this kid out in the gym maybe but like I said I usually don't do that to other people usually it's pretty, pretty cordial <laughs> but I will say this guy and for some reason my son now my son's 20 years old and he fights and Oh man, after a minute or two sparring that kid, I don't know if it's because his room's <laughs> dirty or what, but oh, he just wants to throw it on. But apparently, him and his uncle have that same problem, so yeah. maybe it's just not me. Maybe it's just uh, it's I, in I, the blood. Yeah, I don't know. It's, well, it's your your fundamental point about like arguably you would say train for MMA if your interest was self defense because it's like all of all of the everything, techniques, it's right. like everything. Yeah. But really, what the point is is you're training a physiological response. Exactly. Yes. You know, Absolutely. and that's a it's a pieces parts in all of this shit, jujitsu right. and wrestling and any point karate. There's a physiological Judo. response, but like 100%. the more yeah. I can get trapped and dominated, the more my physiology is going to fail me. Absolutely. Panic. And that's the thing too. Yeah, and it's if if you've never had to do any, like I said, like even like point karate, like I said, it's fine. But like I said, I've watched a several. I watch all martial arts. Obviously, again, we want to be the most most well-rounded MMA fighters um, as far as technique goes and the best martial arts we possibly can be. So, again, there's great pieces in every martial arts. I don't care what it is. I mean, Martial arts need to be adapted for self-defense no matter what. If you're, if you're having any singular martial art for martial art, you're going to have to adapt it because – in wrestling, there's no punching. <laughs> in jujitsu, there's no punching. Mm -hmm. In time, in boxing, time, there's no, there's knees no or kicking. There's no know? punching after you get taken down. So yeah. you're gonna have to, you know, have a, a well-rounded game if you're really gonna be ready for all all situations. And I always tell people in here because a lot of people don't like explain this portion. And I said I always tell people, my students, you're gonna need three things if you're gonna plan on defending yourself. You're gonna need some good technique, okay? And in all martial arts, at least one, okay? You're going to need some sort of cardio, and you're going to need some sort of strength. And if anybody tells you any other different, then they are lying to you. They are lying to you. <laughs> you're going to need them three things. Because if you have great technique, that's great. But guess what? There's still that 250-pound dude that can just bulldoze through you and piss-pound you before you even get a chance to do anything. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have any sort of physical strength, again, you can be a little person and still redirect power using judo so on and so forth right you're still going to have to be able to one endure a good ass kicking for a while first mm -hmm. then like, well, I, mean, I think look at pedro proved sauer that. versus pedro sauer versus the bodybuilder right mm -hmm. he got the bodybuilder 
but it was a rough match. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he had some tough moments mm-hmm. there. But again, he yeah. proved that the one, his being a black belt and getting his butt kicked in the room, he could uh, endure that, right? Hoist yeah. and, you know. Hoist and Dan Severn. You know, he's sitting against you know, the cage the whole time, getting his face just powered yeah, in for uh, 10 straight minutes before he finally tired him out chemo. with his face, yeah. you know? Just, just, Same chemo, just, yeah. just breathe through the nose while this big yeah, guy gets relax. tired, you know? Yes, yeah. exactly. That, that's kind As of, that maybe, that's you. your fourth thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, is, yeah, yeah. is my demeanor. Calm, yeah, 100%. And that's what all them three things are going to get you, right? It's going to make it so you're cool and calm, you know, not well, maybe not cool, calm, but you're able to prepare yourself because I always say yeah. I don't, my biggest thing is I don't want people walking out this door I said I always say when you walk out this door you're gonna know who you are who, who you can and can't handle yourself against whether you're a boy girl five years old 75 years old you're gonna know who you can and can't defend yourself against in here yeah. you know at least you're gonna get out of this door with a little bit better cardio a little bit better strength and a better knowledge of how to protect yourself this is leading me into my usual last uh, question pretty well okay. and I'll open it to both of you Seems to be how we're doing this. <laughs> uh, but I tend to dial it to uh, BJJ, and I say at each belt level, what's your advice? And given that you guys are coaching and teaching people at a variety of levels, I figure you have a pretty good answer. So if I'm a white belt, what's your advice? If I'm a blue belt, what's your advice? And so on. Um, I'll do the white belt. Um, okay. I, I'm going to go with white belt, and I think a lot of people um, – revert to this quite often too is that embrace the suck um you are at the bottom of the barrel you're gonna have tough days on the mat but the only way to get better is just stick with it be the nail because you're gonna as a white belt you're gonna be the nail but again if you're in the right spot and you're at the right gym everybody should be able to help build you up but you just you, you gotta endure the suck because you, you're not gonna be good at it you haven't done the reps you haven't put in the time as these blue purple brown black belts the reason why they can do what they're doing is because they've been in the same spot. So you just need to really endure the suck. And Link said, really try to hone in on those basic skills to defending yourself or at least retaining guard and putting yourself in a decent position. Mm-hmm. Just that that really up. should be like a, a day one thing with new students. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, hi, welcome to this. And you've now started the journey to being able to do this. You don't get to do this. Whatever you looked up on YouTube, yeah. you're not going to do that. It's not going to feel like that. It's not going to look like that. Yep. The experience is not going to be that yet. Yes. It yes. will be, though. Yep. Yes. Yep. You're going to have, like, your, your, uh, like, if you're lucky enough, in that first three months, you'll have your, your Yahoo moment where you, like, sub that that three-stripe white belt. And you're like, oh, my God, that's an arm bar feel. Holy crap. This is the best thing ever. And then you're going to be hooked. But, uh, yeah, no, big thing. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up as a white belt. I mean, like I said, it's going to suck. But, man, like I said, just think you're already one step ahead of the people that didn't even come to the door. So yep. you're one step ahead. Multiple steps ahead. Absolutely. And that's multiple, one thing, exactly. too. Is that <laughs> yes, you, exactly. Because yeah. that's, that's what I always tell people after they get their first stripe here. I'm like, now think. Now imagine, they said, now that next white belt that comes to the door has never done this before. Let me know how you roll with them the first time. Yeah. Okay, after that first stripe, they're like, Oh, this is how I came in. I'm like, that's how you came in. Yeah. Like Bambi, your legs are going all these directions. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, you just gotta, you gotta just get in dirt as that white belt. Like I said, and focus on the basics. Don't be trying to brimble roll, fucking Delaheva guard and all that stuff. Is a you know, really focus on the basics, man, because it comes down to those fundamentals and being yeah. able to put yourself back in a position to be able to actually protect yourself. So. Yeah. And I will say that uh, blue belt to me is uh, starting to to hone hone your skills. You're you're learning, you're learning the you know the the meat and potatoes of of what jujitsu really is. Right, as a blue belt, you're gonna really actually start feeling like you can 
do a thing or two. You know, you've got mm-hmm. some white belts you can kind of do your thing to, but you the still have De La Hiva and Squid Guard. And yes, of like course. Yeah, yes, yeah. of course. And that's usually where we start, you know, you know, that. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we start with, the, like, you know, the, you know, some Ogumara throws or something, you know, <laughs> just real easy stuff for that stuff, you know, because, uh, you know, I mean, now you're a blue belt. You you know it all. So Is that, uh, a, re- is that a real thing, what you just uh, said? Ogumara, yeah. Oh, <laughs> large <laughs> access or a large, large access yeah, throw. So it's a, it's a <laughs> throw using a leg in judo. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, judo is a big portion of our curriculum. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So uh, I also from our, our lineage and uh, clever being a judo black belt. But, yeah, so no, so I always represent that as, like, the, the meat and potatoes belt. You're really yeah. going to really figure out what mount is, what guard is, what, what's capabilities. You know, you're still going to be making tons of stupid mistakes, trying to smit people inside their guard, probably all that fun stuff. But you're starting to get it, and that's kind of how yeah. I kind of represent blue belt. Well, I want to represent blue belt is you – now you you got the blue belt. Don't do what those get the blue belt blues. Mm-hmm. Stay mm-hmm. on the mats. Yes, you have <laughs> uh, a core group of moves now you know, but doesn't mean you're gonna go out and just sub these brown belts. They've put in that more time. So again, like, don't get frustrated with feeling the stagnant of being a blue belt. Right? Yeah. You got again. This goes back to a white belt. You gotta stay on the mats. The yeah. only way you're gonna get better is you need to just keep pushing forward and start really honing. All right, you learned all those core skills. Now start tar- start using them and start tying them together. Like start implementing combinations of like, okay, I'm going to set up this sweep. The sweep fails. Where can I go from there? Start really honing in those combinations and start really trying to visualize of these moves that you have to where you can really start to apply them in multiple ways, right, as far as going from one accommodating to another one and really hone in on those skills but still keep it basic you know venture out a little bit into some of those you know untraditional guard positions or these untraditional positions but still stay focused on that basics but start using them in combination with each other yeah okay all right i'll accept that i guess all right purple purple belt purple belt all right now you have the purple belt, the purple belt. And this is one of those ones that I, uh, we obviously talked about earlier in the podcast. I was the purple yeah. belt for four and a half years. And when we got the opportunity to change positions into going into the clever Luciano, um, system, he exposed something that was very huge in my game. And like said, that's one thing when you, before you move into that Brown belt level, making sure that you're addressing these things. Because, again, now we're a purple belt. We have a good basis move. We have a good set grappling. Usually by purple belt, we have our grappling style, like our which directions we like to try to force people into. But on that same note, don't slack on your voids. Like I said, make sure you really hone in on those positions. Even though if you want to steer people in towards this Deli Eve or steal them into the X guard or steer them into the X guard, but don't. Just because you can push people that direction, don't forget about those things that you are probably weak at. Because especially once you move to that brown belt position, you, those are going to be exposed very easily by other people. So, yeah, I always say uh, for me, like purple belt is your experimental phase, right? You know, it's the, the belt where I felt like I had good knowledge of jujitsu now, right? I felt like I could, I thought I could pass guard as a blue belt, right? Now I'm a purple belt. Uh, you know, I, you know, started, you know, like, I think that's where you can start trying to like expand your guard game, right? You're going to try these other guards and right. And again, hopefully you're still trying to stick to the, the basics still, but I think it's your time to ex- expand and really kind of see what kind of grappler you're trying to be. But, uh, at the same time, hopefully not, you know, 
uh, really lacking in some, some areas, you know, and then, uh, for me, it was the one where like I said, I won't go back to uh, thinking I was good at passing guard where, uh, I would have all these fancy guards and I could submit you in lapel guard and do all this fun stuff. But chances are I probably couldn't pass your guard with crap. So you're another purple belt, you know, for what reason? I don't know. I just, I was too busy, you know, and I think, like I said, and I think it's an okay thing, but at least me as a purple belt, uh, like I said, I use it very much to expand, uh, uh, as like an experimental phase to really just kind of see what jujitsu had to offer. And then, uh, you know, and that, that brings us to brown belt, and that's where, well, at least brown belt for me is where it was time to figure out where you sucked and start honing all them good skills. Sure, yeah. You're so. filling gaps, and now you're, you're filling fine lines or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the so detailed like, portions Yeah, yeah, so I kind of like seeing what it had to offer, and now like brown belt for me is moving forward, uh, you know, like really be like, oh, okay, I can do lapel guard, but am I good at lapel guard how can sure. I get better at that yeah. or maybe I could do lapel guard but can I pass guard you know stuff <laughs> of that nature and uh so I think that was like you know like that you know again I'm sure you've heard this before but you know I, I think brown belt's more of like the refining your skills like mm -hmm. purple's kind of like finding out what kind of grappler I want to be do I want to be a back player do I want to be a top player so on and so forth I will say for me it was a little bit different again I always wanted to be the most well-rounded martial artist possible so now I'll say that before it was an all-bottom game probably prior to my brown belt where my brown belt really gave me the sense of how important a top game was where now you know uh you know that during that brown belt period is where i really figured out i could be good at both if i put the hard work in so yeah uh, um brown belt so one thing brown belt was one of my favorite belts um this is another question of mine so i like that okay Keep going. sorry <laughs> okay um so yeah brown belt was one of my favorite ones just because you know, once I got the brown belt, it could be a year, it could be 20 years, but I knew at some point in time with me being on the mats with every single day that the black was going to come. It was coming, right? So, again, I agree with Marvin is that that's where I really learned the importance of the little small details because um, especially, like, this kind of goes back to, like, our grappling style, especially leading up to, you know, getting it when we had our purple belts is that, I wasn't as focused as much on the details because I was too busy attacking. And me and him are very, I would like to say, we're very aggressive grapplers as far as always trying to keep people on the defensive. So as long as I kept game. attacking, 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 it made it, I, I didn't need to worry about as much as details because I would just transition from attack to attack to attack. Where as the brown belt, like I said, I want to make sure I'm honing in those details. And the biggest thing is I wanted to make sure, and I think Mar would agree with this too, is that the whys. Pay attention to the whys, right? Because, again, as there's a brown belt, like I said, and even as you're coming up in jiu-jitsu, right? Is that, martial arts in general. Yep, in martial arts in general, right, is that obviously you get higher up, you're gonna people are going to start asking you questions. And, like, say, explaining the move is one thing, but, like I said, I want to know the details why. Okay, if I'm going to be – and that's what makes the details that. so important. Right? Why am I going from this? Yep, why exactly. am I doing why a, would, a De La Hiva sweep instead of a waiter sweep? Why am I – you know – Absolutely. You know, the whys are more important because otherwise you're just forcing moves. Right. You know? and exactly. That's and like not really what jujitsu was built mm -hmm. for, right? Not about, you know, of course, we're all going to use some muscle and tenacity and all that fun stuff, but it was meant to try to make them give you something, right? Yeah. But like, so really, so really paying attention to the details and then the whys of why would I go to this position from this position. And then, two, obviously, to me, like I said, that's where you really start. For me, and it may be like I said, and I've always said this for any belt I've gotten, and every time I, I, I've belted up, 
when I get the belt, I feel like, do I really deserve this? But then for once I get the, back on the mats and start training again, I feel like for some reason a whole new light opens up and I start seeing stuff way more often because now I feel like I have the gratification. I do know what I'm talking about. I knew what I'm doing, right? So now, like I said, I, it, it felt like the application and now the details started coming out a lot more and paying attention to those details of why we're going to go from this position to this position. And two, I knew going up that once you hit black belt, to be able to sub another black belt, you better know those little details because you're not going to, again, you can do it to the purples and blues and whites below you, but you're going to, if you're going to be hitting that black belt, like I said, they're going to have usually a lot of the same things that you're going to have. So you need to make sure that those details are very precise, especially when it comes to submission defense, guard passing, um, getting out of bad positions, you know, you're going to want those little details, especially when you try to doing it on these higher belts. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go with that too, I guess the, uh, brown belt to me too, was just, uh, it was a belt where I was a lot more acceptance of, uh, criticism, even from other brown belts, especially blacks and purples, but that purple, like it's now you're an advanced belt, right? So more of the tournaments, some of the advanced divisions, I know Delaheva and I can do this and that and I'll leg lock people and all this great stuff. I mean, I think I leg lock people, more people as a purple belt than I ever will probably as a black, <laughs> just because that was my go-to can't pass guard leg lock. I'm mean, always there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I think, getting back to the whys. Why did I do so many exactly. leg locks? I can't get past because I sucked at passing guard <laughs> really, really bad. And their yeah. leg is just sitting there. But I think I was just really acceptance to like know like okay like I was a flash. I was like you know I was like a flashy purple ball. Like I just do all this cool stuff. But I really my meat and potatoes top game was really lacking for sure. Where I could accept that. But for some reason when I got to my brown, I could accept like. You know, when the coach come to me, like, you need to do this daily. You need to, if you are going to be better, you know, when you are going to be a black belt, you like you, and I just really accept it and really understand, like, you're right. I need to do this. And I would do the work diligently where, you know, to the purple belt, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go work on Delhi regard. You know, again, not that I wouldn't still do it. Of course, my coach is telling me, don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, but, you know, I think, you know what I mean, the grain of salt. And I will say the other thing with the gold brown belt, when I got my brown belt, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty much like a black belt. And then what the funny part is, is that when I got my fourth straight up stripe on my brown belt, I was like, panic. I don't want to be a black belt. I just keep mm -hmm. me a brown. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, because like, so it's funny is that I, when I was farther away from my black belts, I was like, oh, I want that black belt so the bad. Stride, when I yeah, got the close to it. the black, I'm like, I'm cool because I know when it clicks over, like, you know, you're, you're going to have to re represent it. And again, you know, I was hoping, obviously, I'd still be able to do it. Of course, when my coach makes me a black, I'm assuming I'm ready. But I was like, so not in a rush. Like, it could have yeah. took another five years. And I'm like, cool. Get my black right. belt whenever. So, right. yep, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because again, like I said, you, you know, obviously getting a black belt, there's a lot of pride in there. Obviously, you put in work and did all that stuff too. But, um, guys like me and him, like I said, I still compete. I didn't want to go out to a tournament and not only make myself look bad, but also the guy who, who gave me that belt. He gave me this belt because he feels that I can represent it. And like I said, I'm not saying I'm gonna go out and win every match, but I'm gonna come out and show that I can do the right things, stay competitive with you all these other black belts, black belt, yeah. and not be just walk through the room. I didn't want to be the guy who comes out, not saying this happens, this happens to good people too, but I don't want to be out and this guy Everybody comes out and flying arms bar me one second, I don't yeah. do any defense, yeah. like I said, and represent my master right. in that way or our school in that way. And like I said, when I'm a business owner, I want, again, we want to show that these stuff that we're showing everybody is applicable, not only in competition but on the streets as well like I said so again i want to make sure that we're gonna 
not teach hypothetical martial arts or not, not do hypothetical martial arts. And yes, arts. for every gold medal I have on the wall, don't worry, there is 50 zero medal tournaments in between there. So keep it up. You'll get your win. It just takes Absolutely. some time sometimes. Yeah. What was your favorite belt level? He, he's brown. Brown? I would say just because I'm such a, ba- a back player, I would say that my purple belt probably was my uh, funnest belt. It was my longest belt. Kind, of, kind just, of the glory years a little bit. Too, yeah, you know, like, and you know, like I said, I was leg lock and brown belt at that time. Yeah. We were uh, we teach our white belts leg locks again. We take the the the, the concept of leg locking from the beginning. That's how we started. Again, never yeah. had any major injuries in so you're teaching it. So uh, me, I couldn't wait to get to that portion, right? You know, I could always do it MMA my whole career. I was you know started MMA as a pro, I was still a white belt, you know, and so uh, I couldn't get to that point. So I, I had a lot of fun as brown belt. I love just that you know that experimental. I hate all the losses because I was not smart enough as a purple belt to maybe uh, try to pass a guard first and score a point or, or two. Or what up, you do is you get come up. maybe or you just you know what you do is just try to smit them 27 times, never score a point, and then let them pass your guard once and lose. That's how you do the tournaments, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I had a lot of fun and, and uh, it was just a, a good time in my career, my MMA career as I was a purple belt was all, all at the same time. I got a opportunity to go to Japan at the time. I fought for a world Super title cool. at that time, all that fun stuff. So it was a, it was a fun belt for me. For sure. Yeah. Hopefully black's going to be my favorite belt. Actually, <laughs> that, and that was the other one is I always ask if people feel qualified to give advice to black belts, let's say new black belts. Hmm. Also, oh, I could say to I that, would... what I will say to like the new black belt is that I will say that uh, even for that first year, I feel like, uh, at least if you're a black belt like I, I was one, I learned so much in that first year of being a black belt. Like and now I'm, you know, I'm a first degree black belt. You know, I've been a black belt for three years, and I, I will 100% think that as long as you stay, you know, focused on continuing to get better, I think that my first degree black belt would even would beat the heck out of my brand new black belt Marvin. And the reason really is I think that uh, again, it's just. I think that you just, them little teeny nuances, even as a brown belt that I was starting to pick up, that just that weight different, that shift of my 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 hand being from one inch to here to there, of why this this is just, I'm getting close to getting finishes or whatever that may be, you know, to just really hunkering in that finish. So as a, as a you know, new black belt, I guess, again, I know I'm not nobody to, to necessarily listen to, but, uh, but if I was a brand new black belt, like I said, if you just, can keep you know keep your uh you know keep that focus that you had up till getting your black belt as you continue your journey continue to watch them hire black belts around you and just see the little things that they do differently because i just remember that first time that i seen my coach uh that you know it was about three months after i received my black belt and then just the, the little things that i had noticed that time compared to the, all the other times i had seen them just the little things the way his body is weight the way his toes were dug in the mat so on and so forth so uh, i would say you know just Man, keep up the passion, and uh, like I said, it sounds silly, but I'm sure everybody's heard it before, but it feels like the journey 100%, because like I said, after I got my black belt, I got crushed by about 25 black belts right after that, so. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I agree. I mean, a lot of people, like I said, and obviously I was one of them, like I said, leading up, like, black belt, like it's, like it's the end, like it's the end, that's the final goal type of deal. But realistically, I think uh, Hickson says it best. You know, he's like they're like they're baby black belts, right? They're again. They're, somebody has now said that I've learned enough to be able to in a, and retained enough to be able to be the the black belt. But it, I kind of where Mar was going. I feel like I've almost learned more as a beginning black belt 
and, and the biggest thing is to like keep your mind open. Like I said, you don't even as a black belt, you don't know everything. There's still plenty of things that you can learn, even from like these lower belts. Like I've seen a lot, you know, because again, everybody when you're getting in live roles and stuff, they end up you get in positions maybe you haven't been in before. All of a sudden, they do something neat. Like I said, so I can still learn from everybody and keep your mind open just because you're a black belt. And again, obviously, if you're getting your black belt, I'm sure you're not walking around a big arrogant dude saying, I got this big black belt. But keep your mind open, keep that journey going. And like I said, and there's still so much more to be able to wrap your head on. And I always use this as Master Clever. Started doing this at the age of seven. He's now 44, 45, 45 now. If he's still learning, I'm still learning. There's if he has doesn't know at all, there's sure no way in hell that I do. So like I said, we need to keep that mind open and keep progressing that game and yeah. plenty of stuff to learn yet. Seems like the we the black belt thing gets put on a pedestal because it's so many fucking years away. Mm-hmm. For most people, it's never gonna happen because they don't fucking show up, right? It's hard, to but stay. like that you know, it's gonna be ten or twelve or fifteen years or something like that. But you forget that like when you were a new purple belt, there was another purple belt that schooled you. Mm-hmm. You know, a little yep. tattered belt with some some tape on it and stuff. Absolutely. They knew more than you, so yep. there's a guy with a stripe or two on his black belt that knows more than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was say go back to the go back the to first the first time on the a, Well, I was gonna say go back to your you're the you're the you're the you're the white belt black belt now. Mm-hmm. So go back to embracing the suck, and that's what I'll say. Like I said, is because again, when I got my black belt, now like I said, I always tell my students every time you get a stripe, every time you get a new belt. You're gonna notice the roles of us that are a little bit different each time. Each time the roles get a little <laughs> bit more hard. And so after I got my black belt, like I said, that first time rolling with my coach again, he just again showed me there were so many more levels to be. So I was like almost going like I said. Now every time I go roll with the black belt, especially the ones that are higher up than me, you know, like I said, they you know put it to me, you know, and I kind of like the white belt of the black belts again, you know. And now, you know, I'm well, like I say I'm a first degree now, but like I said, now I at least I know when I get around to the baby black belts, I can like oh, I could have returned that same favor, but I can mm-hmm. kind of feel the difference of the the mm-hmm. difference, right? You know, between and again, that's not everybody. Some people are dynamos and, and men work with more power to you, but. Uh, I definitely were, I had to work for mine, and I'm 149 pounds, so I will have to work no matter who, no matter who I'm rolling with. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to answer the advice question at each level and just say, "Embrace the suck." White belt, embrace yeah, the suck. Blue belt, embrace, embrace the, the, suck. the suck. Yep, that's seems, it, right. I mean, it's like the whole process well, it, it, again especially what you get to every time I mean, and on beyond i'm sure yep every time that you upgrade those higher belts are going to take a little bit more of that softness away and start putting it to you because again you're moving up you need to know that you still have a lot to work on so you like just like you're saying man you gotta embrace the suck in every single belt for sure closing thoughts closing thoughts if uh you're looking for somewhere super awesome to train, Minnesota School of Martial Arts, right off Highway 8 in Chisago City, Minnesota. And if you are too far from us, find a gym close to you. Find some great people. If you go to M Theory, McCune's Martial Arts, any 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 gyms, you know, a, 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 you know, that are near you, man, find somewhere. Find a good, great group of jujitsu people, all that fun stuff. And uh, like I said, I, I assure you, if you can get through the door, you will never regret it. So. Yeah, but that was the one thing I was going to say. Anybody that's got any... Uh, aspects or wants to want to learn some martial arts you need to get past your the hardest part and that's just finding a place and stepping through the door you'll find out that it's not about everybody going in there and punching the crap out of each other's face you're gonna find out that not only one you're gonna find a great network of network of people that have the same type of interests that are also gonna not only do that but they're gonna help bring you up with them you know i mean i'm not saying there's not gyms out there that obviously there's some maybe some egos going on but 
99% of every gym I've ever stepped into are more than well in opening arms to help bringing people in. They're going to give you a great environment to train and to everybody around you is going to be supportive unless you know, it doesn't matter what direction you're going as far as being a world champ, you know, pushing to be a world champion or just wanting to be able to defend yourself a little bit and build some camaraderie and just learn some little bit of self-defense. So again, get the hardest part out of the way and go, go walk through a set of doors. Like I said, if it's ours, somebody else's, doesn't matter. Just make sure you, you get past that first big hurdle of just getting, getting yourself motivated to get through the door. Makes sense to me. Thanks, boys. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, man. Thank you very much. Um, like I said, I just uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come up and do this for us, man. Really enjoyed the conversation, buddy. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Yet another good conversation with a couple of jiu-jitsu black belts as well as, as we learned, MMA fighters here in Minnesota. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. And as I mentioned at the outset, please do check out the page for the Pohada podcast. In a couple of weeks, you'll be seeing a video from today's guest going over some knee shield attacks. Hit like, hit subscribe, please rate this show. Thanks, everybody.